When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. I'm Amani Toomer, joined by the world famous Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, what's going on, man? You know, Amani, we, we love each and every one of our sponsors, including mm-hmm. Infinity, but by you know this time next week, I like any of your keys to the game to be brought to by some karaoke company. So let's see if oh, we can I'm, get that done this week. I'm all over it, man. It, this <laughs> I don't. It's getting in my blood. I don't know what it is about karaoke and singing because I can't sing, but it's just the effort. And I don't know. I just I guess it's a new challenge. But uh, have you ever tried it, Mike? You know, I, I like to keep my karaoke proclivities, you know, between me and my basement walls, as Mike Tomlin used to say. Oh, you got to let it out, Mike. You don't know. Yeah. You could be, you could be, you could have a gift that you're just <laughs> holding back from the rest of society. Come on, yeah, Mike, and, let it out. And, and, am I, I, and I candidly think a society is much better for it. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to go to uh, the Jordan Renan report brought to you by Sansun Auto Mall. 10 top brands, over 2,000 vehicles in one place, Sansun Auto Mall in Woodbridge. Jordan, I don't know if you know much about karaoke, but, uh, man, it's super exciting. And, man, this Giants team, are, do they have an opportunity? Are they trying to play spoiler, or do they really believe they have an opportunity to make the playoffs? Well, Brian Dable definitely put out that message that hey, they're not they're not out of it yet. So uh, I guess they believe it. I, I mean, they they're going to be underdogs in every game. It makes it really tough. Our ESPN analytics says that you know what the odds that they have of them making the playoffs set? It's probably like one zero zero point one percent. Okay, so you're saying there is a chance? <laughs> I don't think our analytics likes the chances. Yeah, so, but uh, no. Like, Saquon, that's just the attitude that they always have. Uh, I think as a player, you kind of have to think that way. Uh, but look, let's let's do them win Monday night. Then we could. Then I think we could start talking about it. Then at least if they get a little help and they get within a game of several other teams, then I think we could start really thinking. Okay, this is possible. But look, it's they got to suffer. They got the Eagles twice. Uh, it, it's it's going to be difficult. Hey, Jordan, you're around the team more than anybody. Who's played the best quarterback for them this year? Uh, I mean, I guess when you compare it to expectations, it's got to be Tommy DeVito. I mean, he's played pretty well. He's made some big throws. 
He's throwing the ball down the field. Now the flip side is that Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor have never really gotten any steady play because they have they haven't been able to stay healthy this year, right? And that's been the biggest problem for both of them. Uh, remember, Daniel Jones even before the knee had the neck thing, so he missed three games in the middle there. He really only started he started six games with the Raiders game. He didn't last up, so he really only played five games, um, and that was two different stints. And uh, Tyron, right when he when he start uh, two or three games as well, I think it was two actually, and didn't make uh, three actually didn't make it through the third. So it's just been a rough season. And, and look, Tommy DeVito, remember that the narrative after that first game. Oh, he can't throw. Mm-hmm. They don't trust him to throw. Why don't they get somebody else? Uh, I know Mike over there was telling me he was pushing to put in Matt Barkley. Uh, but I think he showed that he could play in this league and he could throw the ball and, and do some things. And he's made himself some money because he certainly earned himself a roster spot, at least for several seasons, I think, a, a spot on people's rosters. And, at you know, you know what minimum salary is these days, Imani? I don't even want like, to know. Uh, it's going to be like I think next year it's eight hundred thousand mm. dollars. So I mean, at like you know eight hundred, eight fifty, and then like a million. You know, he's basically you're on a roster for three years. You got two two point five million dollars in so those he's, three years. It's uh, he's he's certainly made himself some money. Oh, he's a quarterback, so he's not going to make league minimum. He's going to probably going to make uh, let's say double that. Well, on, the, on his rookie deal. No, but, yeah, okay, yeah, his right rookie now. deal. Yeah. So he's he's got a, he's got at least one more year next year. So I think it's seven fifty this year, eight forty five next year, and then you know, the. Uh, but, they, uh, but you know what? They're not including. They're not including year, all those appearances uh, that he makes the, the local diners in Jersey. So that's going to put him up there over the top, <laughs> well over you know, well over the million dollar mark. No, I'm just joking. Absolutely, you know, he'll, be, he'll be tripling tripling the income. Man, Primo Zogies was banging the other day. Uh, that, that line. If I tell you what it was like in there, you know what it reminded me of? The appearance he did and I was there. It reminded me of the day after Odell made the catch. Like, that's how crazy it was. Wow. He was signing jerseys, uh, helmets, shoes, body parts. To that level? It was wild. Jordan, to that level? It's probably not quite to that level, but it was like the notch below. the The closest thing I've seen to that level because um, people just they're into it everyone's everyone's taking the pictures with the you know the pinch fingers in the air uh you know they're like facetiming people say look i'm with tommy devito it was wild i i totally didn't expect that i was going there and i'm like well there's gonna be like 50 100 people here and then there was probably like 800 people there and who said this season was a disappointment it's good that you know you got a young player uh that people can be proud of it towards the end of the season but when you look at um Tommy DeVito and the fact that he's starting this week. What do you think? How do you think that resonates through the locker room when you have a healthy Tyrod Taylor um, that has an opportunity to, to really put you over the top and win a game? I think because they won the last two games, it's sort of like, okay, I get it. I get why we're going with Tommy. You're like, because. He did play pretty well, especially in that Washington game. And they've won two games. It, that made it possible to sell to the locker room. I think that's why they made that decision. Obviously, if they didn't win those two last two games mm-hmm. and they didn't come in on a two-game winning streak, it would have been a lot harder to sell, and they probably wouldn't have been able to do it. 
But because they have, and they did, I think it make and the locker room looks at it like, hey, why don't we just keep this going? It makes sense to stick with, with Tommy. He's, he's kind of playing good football. He's injected some life into this team. And look, if it goes poorly, they could just always flip and go, go to Tyron. And I think that's kind of where we stand. Remember, Brian Dable did not commit to Tommy DeVito for more than this week. You said, you know, Tommy's starting this week and we'll sort of, after this game, sort of recalibrate and see where we're at. And then if it goes poorly, and if he plays poorly, then they could just go to Tyrod Taylor and say, you know what, it gives us our best chance to win going forward in the locker room. I think we'll understand it. So, um, so winning the, the two games before the bye week have allowed them to stick with Tommy DeVito. And then, like, take this conversation forward for us, Jordan. We're sitting here next year. What, what does their quarterback room look like? Well, they got to add a quarterback, right? And it's hard to go with Tyrod Taylor because look, Daniel Jones now has all these injuries, which is the big question with him now. Can you really build around him knowing that he has two neck injuries and it's coming off a torn ACL? Is that really the quarterback you want to build your team around? So there is going to be a quarterback added. This is what Joe Shane said when he talked about it, you know, a week or two ago. It's either going to be in the draft it's going to be in free agency. Tommy DeVito is still under contract, so why wouldn't you just roll that back there? So you'll probably have, and, and, and Daniel Jones is up $35 million. So you'll have Daniel Jones, you'll have Tyrod Taylor, I mean, sorry, you'll have Tommy DeVito, and you'll probably have a quarterback from the draft. Now, where is that quarterback from the draft coming? I think it depends where you finish, where, where you're drafting. It could be a first round, you know, it could be a high first round pick. It also depends on who gets the first two picks, right? Is that a spot the Giants can get to? Like, let's say they're at three, or no, let's say, let's say they're at five, but in the top two is, assuming Chicago is going to be one, but let's say Arizona's two. Is Arizona drafting a quarterback, Mike? Or are they looking to trade it? Uh, I, it think it de- I think it depends. Yeah, so, like, is there is there a move to be made where you can get up there? Otherwise you know, a second-round quarterback or moving back into the back half of the, of the first round and getting one of these, you know, Bo Nicks or uh, Jaden Daniels or, you know, uh, who's the other guy, Michael Panix or who, who, well, let's see where these guys ultimately end up going. I'm not sure any of them are top-five type picks. I'm, I'm not really sure about Jaden Daniels. I don't, I don't know what your opinion on, on him is, Mike. I really haven't watched yeah, him or asked a lot. Yeah, he's a very, very talented guy. Obviously, he just won the Heisman Trophy. You know, the big question... And you know, we talked earlier in the show about you know the scrutiny J.J. McCarthy and Caleb Williams, Drake May. These guys will all go under uh, eventually. The big question is, you know, his frame. He's very skinny. Um, he's six four. Uh-huh. He has good size. He's a great athlete. Been very productive. That will be the big question, though. Is you know, does he have like the frame to withstand the rigors of seventeen game season? Yeah, so, you know, we'll see where these other three guys kind of go. But I think they're all options, especially when you're talking about the Giants, because they're going to have to add a quarterback. And uh, banking your future on Daniel Jones is a tough bet for anybody right now. I don't care what you think of him as a player, mm-hmm. just from the injury perspective. So, yeah, um, two next and then we'll see. Tom, Tommy DeVito has an opportunity, I guess, in his next five games, if he really plays his butt off to really work himself into the mix. But uh, I think right now what he did is it earned himself a spot on the roster. Oh, thanks, Jordan, for, for all the insight, letting us know behind the scenes on what's going on 
in uh, New York at the New York Giants. Uh, thank you very much. You got it. Have a good one, guys. Uh, that's Jordan Renan report brought to you by Samsung Auto Mall. Uh, are you in the market for a new vehicle? Call Samsung Auto Mall at one eight hundred Samsung. Mention Bart Scott and and uh, the benefit of ex- of ex- of employee pricing. You pay what they pay. Now going now we're gonna uh, hand things off to Anita who spoke earlier with Rob Domofsky. For you and the Green Bay Packers, it's Jordan Love who is kind of, in my opinion, has finally arrived, right, Rob? Yeah, I, I would not have said that um, four or five weeks ago. Um, there was a game in Pittsburgh where they lost the game, but he made some plays that made you think, okay, you know, we might have seen something there. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, though. I, I I left Pittsburgh and I'm like, boy, I'm not ready. I'm not. I don't see it yet. And then the next week, I think it was the Chargers. He played really well. I wrote a story off of that game for ESPN.com that said. In a few years, we might look back on that Chargers game as the game where we knew that Jordan Love was the guy. Then they go to Detroit on Thanksgiving, uh, another impressive performance. And then to beat the Chiefs here on Sunday Night Football, the biggest stage, uh, which, you know, coincidentally was the first start he made way back in 2021, and he was terrible against the Chiefs. So to say that that he really arrived in almost like a full-circle moment by beating the Chiefs, and he even said that's a game he had circled for a long, long time when the schedule came out this year to sort of show everybody just how different he was when he had that one start in 2021 when Rodgers had COVID. Um, Rob Demosky joining us here on 98.7 ESPN, previewing the Packers-Giants Monday night football game. Um, again, you know, Watson dealing with a hamstring issue, Aaron Jones dealing with some issues as well. So in the passing game, in the rushing game, we'll see how this all plays out, who's active, who's not. But let's talk about what's going on with the Giants, right? They're coming off of a bye. Like I said, this city is goo-goo-gaga over Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito. Um, But Saquon Barkley, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Uh, You know, Green Bay's defense, one of their weaknesses, maybe their biggest weakness, Rob, right, is their rushing defense. They're giving up 4.3 yards per carry. So with that being said, like, I truly believe that uh, that this game – I really believe if Saquon Barkley can find success here in this game, I think the Giants have an opportunity to keep this close and potentially either cover the spread or win it outright at the end. I think it's really going to come down to Saquon Barkley. What say you and and what are your expectations with this rush defense? Yeah, the the run defense in Green Bay has seemingly been a problem for years now. Like it's it's just for whatever reason, they've just never been able to stop the run. Um and We also can't forget, I know the Giants are in a totally different place in their season. They're a totally different team. But the Giants beat the Packers last year in London, and a lot of it was on the ground. I was just looking up the the rushing stats. Uh, Saquon, you know, he only had 70 yards rushing, but he averaged 5.4 yards a carry that day. And that's where the Packers' run defense is is really just bad. It's yards per carry. You know, not necessarily total yardage. A lot of times that's misleading. The yards per carry is the more important stat. They did rush for 125 yards against the Packers in that game in London. And Saquon also had three catches for 36 yards. I asked Jordan Love uh, today, uh, well, earlier in the week, I guess it was, uh, about the fact that they just came off this stretch where they played games that they probably weren't supposed to win. You know, the, the Chargers game, 
the the uh, the Chiefs game and the Lions game, especially those last two. I mean, they were they were underdogs in both those games, including a home underdog against the Chiefs. And now that they're turning to a point in the schedule where they're probably going to be favored in almost every game uh, the rest of the year, and they're playing no teams with winning, winning records. And I asked Love, I said, you know, do you need to remind everybody, and do you guys need to be reminded that you know, even though you're playing teams that aren't so good. Um, you have to be conscious of that. He said, no, he goes, no one needs to remind us of that. We know where we were early in the year not when they were losing to bad teams. And just because they've beaten some good teams, uh, they're not going to look at it any differently with a, a Giants team that's that's four and eight. Um, you know, this this almost looks like a little bit of a letdown game in the sense that, you know, they have beaten all those teams that um, that we talked about. They're back at 500. They're six and six. They're actually in the playoff picture now. Um, it would only seem to be, you know, you wouldn't blame them if they sort of took a deep breath here and and maybe relaxed for a minute. But um, that's going to be, I think, the key for the team for the Packers this week is just not, you know, not letting up and and not saying, okay, we got through the hard part of the schedule uh, and now we're home free. I, I think that that's something that, you know, from a mental standpoint, they've got to make sure that they're conscious of. Yeah, absolutely. And my dogs would agree with you. Um, uh, last one for you, and that is, uh, how do you see Monday night's game playing out? What's your score? How, how do you think it's all going to unfold? I've been picking against the Packers, Anita, for like, I feel like for weeks. Uh, <laughs> it, it was funny because I was picking them, I was picking them early in the year when they were when they played the Raiders, ah, they're going to beat the Raiders. Raiders stink, right? They, the the Broncos were not playing well when they went out to Denver. I picked the Packers against them, and, and finally I said, you know what? I'm not going to pick the Packers again until they start winning games. Uh, so uh, I did get back uh, to picking them against the Chargers, but I wasn't I wasn't picking them against the, the Chiefs, and I wasn't picking them against the Lions. Um, and I was wrong in both of those. So I say that I think the Packers will probably go in and take care of business. I agree with you, though. It could be a situation where the Giants can cover. Uh, most Packers games have been really close this year. Uh, Matt LaFleur, shockingly, and I don't know how this is possible, is 16-0 and in the month of December as the Packers head coach. He's never lost a game in the month of December. I'm not saying that necessarily matters, but it is an interesting side note to this whole thing. Um, so I, I think that I think I'm going to go with the Packers, but I do think it could be, you know, something of a 24 to 20 type of game. Uh, Rob, always great having you on with us. So much appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the Monday night game. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Anita. You got it. Still more to come right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Anita Marks, Mike Tannenbaum, and of course, Amani Toomer. Guys, looking at the slate, two great matchups today. 4.30, you got the Bills going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills coming off of a bye. The Chiefs off of, off of a loss against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, both must wins. The Bills trying to get into the playoffs. The Chiefs trying to better they're standing and getting that number one seed in the AFC and getting that, that buy. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Your thoughts on this matchup. Uh, on uh, which, which one? I'm sorry. Which Bills, Kansas wants? City. Yeah. yeah. Bills, like Kansas Bills. City. Yeah, I like Bills a lot today. Um, I think when you look at going back a couple of years ago, Anita, and when Kansas City lost in the Super Bowl uh, against Tampa at Tampa, they went out and fortified their line. And right now, when you look at Dom. Oh. Um, I, I think we we I think we lost uh, we lost Mike for a second. Amani, uh, your thoughts on Bills? Your uh, <laughs> your thoughts on Bills in, in the Kansas City Chiefs today? Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, with Mike on this one. I just feel like the Bills are the more desperate team, and usually in these types of situations, the team with the most desperation wins. And when you look at um, uh, Josh Allen and the frustration he's dealing with, I feel like he's going to focus in in these last couple of weeks and pull and be the franchise quarterback that he that he's um that he's been his entire career and, and get this team over the hump and I think the Chiefs are at a little bit of a crossroads I feel like everybody there's a book on how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs they haven't played well I think uh, I saw him actually the last time I saw him play I saw him actually in Las Vegas when they played against the Raiders but the Raiders got off to a, a big lead like this is a team that's playing with fire they're not playing particularly well crisp football they're playing in spurts and that's always very uh, worrying to me because you can you, know, you you play against the Raiders and you can you can start off bad and have like a, a slow start. You play you start that way against the Buffalo Bills and, and you're not going to be able to come back because they're going to put it on you. So I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs are a team that needs to kind of tighten things up. They need to um, and they need a situation to where they um, they they got to feel their feet to the fire. And uh, I like the Buffalo Bills in this situation because, man, do they need it. Uh, the other one, obviously, later on tonight, the Eagles going up against the Cowboys. The Eagles coming off a very embarrassing loss to the 49ers. The Cowboys are just rolling. They're great at home. They're averaging 40 points at home. Uh, Mike, let's come back to you. Your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I'm sorry. The single one in out. Can you just give me that one more time, please? The Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, your yeah, thoughts like, on this I, matchup tonight? Yeah, no, I, I like uh, I like Dallas a lot in this. I think you go back a couple of weeks ago, Philly had a big win Monday Night Football um, in Kansas City. Valdez Scantley doesn't catch the pass. Then they're on the field, ninety-two plays against Buffalo. 
got worn down at the end. We're fortunate to win. They get dismantled by San Francisco. And, you know, kind of like what I said about Buffalo, Anita, I think Dallas is the more desperate team. That game was a coin toss last time. I think they're at home. They're more rested, which I know you put a lot of stock into. And uh, I like Dallas tonight. The yeah, money? I like, I, I, like, uh, I like the Eagles. I feel like they've got embarrassed on national TV. Everybody's talking about how they're the best team in football. Now the 49ers came in and tranched on them, and they have to get some get back. And what better team to do it against than the Cowboys? This is a team that the, that the Eagles have pretty much owned over the last couple of years. And, you know, everybody's riding high on Dak Prescott, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But I don't know. It seems like when you start to believe in Dak, when you start to really say, yeah, this guy is legit. Yeah, he is our guy. That's when he lays an egg. That's when he lays a stinker. That's when he cropped us the whole room. And I think that's what we're going to get tonight. I think Dak Prescott's going to have a disappointing performance. And this Eagles defense and this Eagles team, and A.J. Brown, who had a, a subpar game, is going to come out and really show and prove. And this Eagles team just has too much talent uh, for this Cowboys team. And I just don't feel like uh, – I feel like Dak Prescott's going to be the reason why the Eagles win. Um, I do like Kansas City, and I don't necessarily have true conviction on a side, but I'll tell you what, I like the team total over uh, for the Cowboys at 27.5. Like I said, they're averaging 40 points at home, and I like the over – in this matchup as well, uh, sitting at 51-52. All right, that's Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple-blended, triple-distilled, triple-cast-matured Irish whiskey. Make sure to grab a Tullamore Dew during today's and tonight's action. And remember, when it's game time, it's Tully time. When we come back, Rich Samini will join us. He covers the Jets for ESPN. Uh, so stay tuned right here on 98.7 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM, New York, ESPN New York. Now it's time for the Rich Media Report brought to you by London Jewelers. What's going on, Rich? How are things going at, uh, with, with the Jets situation? How excited are they to get out there and see what they can do? Play the uh, spoiler to the Houston Texans, who are obviously going in a different direction than these New York Jets. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, pretty dull, uneventful week with the Jets uh, this week. So, you know, uh, yeah, they're obviously a lot of quarterback news. And uh, this is another, you know, Zach Wilson, the man with nine lives, comes back again. And I think the Jets are hoping to rally around him. I got a sense, definite sense from talking to his teammates in the locker room this week that he was uh, definitely coming into this game with a chip on his shoulder. I think there's a certain amount of frustration he's experienced from what's gone on this season and really the last three seasons. And he, he said his exact words, I'm going to have more fun than I've ever had. So we'll see if that translates to the field today. 
Hey, hey, Rich, it's Mike. Technology did everything they could to prevent me from talking to you, but I'm lucky for you. I, I have I have persevered. All right. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah. Um, what, uh, maybe you uh, address this, Rich, but, you know, you've covered the Jets for a long time. Like, what was your entire perspective on the week? Yeah, Mike, it was, I mean, it's definitely a turbulent week for the Jets. Uh, I don't think there was any surprise that the Jets went back to Zach Wilson. I mean, uh, Tim Boyle was was pretty awful in his two starts, and obviously Trevor Simeon didn't do much either in his brief outing last week. So I think we all expected a quarterback change, and I think we all expected it to be Zach Wilson. Um, the manner in which it happened was interesting. You know, uh, had the athletic report about his so-called reluctance about coming back to play added a different layer of uh, of intrigue to this situation. And uh, look, it's just a weird vibe around the building, Mike. And it's you know, it's what happens when you have a five-game losing streak. I think people get tight, and and things are said, and stuff gets out, and it's really not a very flattering look for the organization right now. How does it, how does the, what's the perception of Robert Sala, not from the media, from the outside, but in that locker room? I know they're not going to tell you what they really think of him, but you being around the Jets for as long as you have been, what is your feeling of when, you know, when you mention his name, do some eyes kind of like, you know, get, oh, yeah, this guy again, or are they like rocking with him still? Yeah, I don't get the sense that there's a, uh, they're jumping ship. I, I still think he's well-liked in the locker room. I do think there probably were some, I, I know there were some eyebrows raised, you know, when they actually, some players I don't think thought Wilson should have been benched uh, three weeks ago. I think some guys would have preferred to stay with Wilson, you know, so whether that impacts their belief in Salah, I can't tell you, but I think the players believe in Zach Wilson, as you know, and I think they almost, rallying around him a little bit. I think they feel sorry for him in a way and that Salah has put him in this situation, but I don't get the overriding sense that Salah's support in the locker room is, is eroding. I think the players understand the situation from a big picture standpoint is that they all expect those guys to be back next year, you know, largely because of the Aaron Rodgers factor. So uh, I don't think now I've been around, as you said, I've been around a lot of situations where you just do, the players knew that the coach was lame duck, and I don't get the sense that they feel that right now. So what do you think? Um, do you foresee changes coming down the stretch here? Like, do they give, you know, Coach Dowling a chance to call plays? Do you think there'll be any other changes? I don't think so in that respect, Mike. I mean, that question gets asked to Sala every, every couple of weeks about, you know, do you want to change play callers? And I think he still believes in Nathaniel Hackett. Now, whether he believes it because of what he's seeing on the field or whether he has to stick with them because of the Rodgers factor, I'm not entirely sure. I do think he believes that in relation to last week, which was another dreadful offensive performance, that, that the plays were there to be had. And I think anybody who goes back and you know, watches the game, especially the All-22, you did see pass plays uh, where Garrett Wilson was open downfield, and I think any competent quarterback would have been able to get him the ball, and, and Boyle didn't. And evidently, he was so bad that the Jets cut him two days later. So how often do you see a guy going from the starting quarterback role to uh, out two days later? You don't see that that often. 
But I do, I do think Salah's going to ride with Hackett. I'd be absolutely stunned if he made a play-calling change during the season. Now, we all know that the Jets have been kind of over a barrel when it comes to their relationship with Aaron Rodgers. They got... They brought in, um, you know, Matt. Le, 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 they brought in Lazar. They brought in um, another one of his receivers. Um, I don't know why his name is Flips. Cobb. Randall Cobb. Yeah, Randall Cobb. I don't know why it's slipping my head. Maybe it's because I went over the middle too many times. But anyway, um, I maybe see- it's just because you haven't seen Randall Cobb play in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it as well. That might be it as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. It, it, does you think his stranglehold on this organization in terms of him being able to call the shots, him picking Nathaniel Hackett, do you think there's a sun setting on that type of situation? He's forty-one. He's going to be forty-one years old, um, and he's just not going to have that grip. How do you see this situation? Kind of, if, say he comes back healthy next year and has a good year, is he going to be able to keep calling the shots, or are they like, look, you're forty? You know, let's just ride this thing out in the sunlight. We're gonna do. We're gonna take over from here. Hold my beer. And we'll get you a team that can play. That can play uh, with you. <clears throat> well, I'd like to say that they're not gonna, you know, make bring any more Aaron Rodgers guys this off season. But I do think they'll they'll make a run at Devontae Adams. So, uh, mm. which is going to be a, a very costly run. Um, but yeah, I think what happened this year, they, they much like the Bucks did with Tom Brady. You try to surround you know, this guy, you know, who's actually, you know, obviously he's in the latter years of his career. Uh, you want to do everything you can to make him feel comfortable. So the Jets brought in all those guys you just mentioned to make Aaron Rodgers feel comfortable. Well, now that he's been here for a year, um, I don't think they have to bend over backwards this off season to, to surround him with more of his guys. I mean, now he knows these Jet players. He knows the organization. He should be more comfortable and I think Woody Johnson really needs to take a good hard look. You know, at, you know they basically bent, like I said, bent over backwards. You know, they they did everything they could to create uh, an organization around one player, and it blew up in their face. And I think they have to take a step back and realize that it's you can't build a football team around one player. Very rarely does that work. It worked in Tampa with Brady. Um, you don't see it work that often. So I think the Jets have to take more of a big picture view this off season and not make everything around one guy and just try to take a real sober look at the situation. Right, but if that's the case, does it mean, mean like, that would, everything you just said, Rich would tell you that's why they wouldn't go after Devontae Adams. Yeah, well, I think that might be the one exception. They <laughs> they do need a wide receiver. That's abundantly clear. Anybody who watches them on a weekly basis, they need another wide receiver to pair with Garrett Wilson. Now, they could be in position to draft, a really good wide receiver. I mean, they're going to have a top 10 draft pick. Could be as high as three or four. A couple of really good ones in this draft. But by then, they will have had to make that Devontae Adams decision. Devontae Adams will be like a February-March decision, uh, if he's even available. I mean, we don't know. We're we're speculating that the Raiders might be willing to shop him. We don't know that yet. The Raiders, we don't even know who's going to be running the Raiders. You know, so things could change a lot. But I, I do think that'll be a player that they would be interested in if, he's a, if he becomes available. Yeah, I'm looking at this, uh, this Jets roster, and, man, on defense, you know, they, they, they're Trump tied on defense. The problem is, is they still can't stop the run. Like, how is that po- – I, I, I keep every week – I may sound like a broken record, but I, I just cannot figure out for the life of me why this defense isn't better uh, stopping the run and why they are uh, so porous. Uh, what can the Jets do? I mean, we can't talk about this year because this year is pretty much a wash. 
in so we're so I'm my mind is moving forward to what they can do to fix some of the holes that they have. Where are some of the areas that they they really feel as an organization on defense that they overlook something or they need to they need to come next year with a much better options? Well, I think. I mean, if they got another a younger defensive tackle, you know, to mm-hmm. go, come in and play alongside uh, Quentin Williams. I mean, Quentin Jefferson's been doing a really good job this year. Um, he's he's got a bunch of sacks. He's got like four or five sacks already. I think he's been doing a good job as a pass rusher. I wouldn't say he's like a a big run stuffer. Al Woods was kind of their big body run stuffer, and he tore his Achilles several <laughs> weeks ago. So I think they've missed him a little bit. I think that would be the one area. I think we talked about this last week. I don't think their run defense is as bad as people are saying. Uh, if you look at it from uh, look at more of the analytics and more of the, uh, I know their ranking is what thirtieth or thirty first in the yeah, league. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their but overall I, ranking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as that. I think they're more middle of the pack in terms mm-hmm. of yards per carry and all that fancy stuff. But I think the most – they have to work on the offense. I mean, it clearly but, their first few draft picks, I mean, they need an offensive tackle. They need a wide receiver. They probably need a, another offensive lineman. So offense is where the uh, all their resources should go in the offseason. But, 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 Rich, I'll, I'll say this to uh, take out for my karaoke teammate, Amani Toomer here. Um, okay. I, I think yeah. the uh, – the whole narrative around this team, you know, stats aside, was that this was going to be a great defense. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been. It's been an inconsistent one in which, at times, like their A game has been phenomenal, but it's not been consistent. And there's been some games where, hey, we're going to choke out the opposing team's offense, like playing Miami, for example, at home. We haven't seen that. Like, they played better last year on defense, like hard stop. Like, they just did. Um, and that's yeah. been, to me, the disappointing part of the season. Like, you knew – Post Rodgers, the quarterback play would be, you know, fill in the blank, inconsistent, up and down. You know, we could still sit here and see, like, why didn't they go sign Joe Flacco, but whatever. But the defense, to me, they've had opportunities to say, hey, we really are a difference-making dominant unit, and they just haven't been. No, they have not played to the same level as they had last last year. They were a top – they were fourth. You know, they were fourth in points allowed, fourth in yards allowed, and this year – they're they're down from that. I, I still think they're a good defense, but they're not. Uh, it's not a game changing defense. They're taking the ball away a little bit more this year. But you're right. I mean, that was a really disappointing game against Miami, against a division rival, against arguably one of the better offenses. Um, you know, a chance to make a statement, and that did not happen. Uh, I still think it's a good enough defense. I mean, the secondary is outstanding. I don't think DJ Reed gets enough credit for what he's doing. Um, Quinn Williams is having a weird kind of good year i mean he's having a really good year when you look at pressure and quarterback hits but he's he's got one and a half sacks and so that's down from last year and so i agree with you mike for sure it's not the defense we saw last year but i just i still think it's a playoff caliber defense that is getting absolutely zero support from the offense now i was with uh the michael k show with donald greca and and uh peter rosenberg and they were talking about, I was listening to it, and they were talking about the demeanor of Robert Sala and how it looks like he is a totally different person on the sidelines. Maybe it's just a fan thing. Maybe it's just because we're all up in his face with the camera angles. But he just doesn't seem to have that same snap, that same swagger, that same energy on the sideline now. He almost looks like 
uh, you know, like a, like a kick dog out there when sometimes when things go bad. And before he he just he just had this energy. I remember him on the sidelines when he was the offensive co- defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. He was just energy in a bottle. And now he just seems very subdued. Is that just me and and other people's you know outside percep- perception, or is he a little different af- or a little humbled? After this situation, I remember famously he said after he beat um, the Denver Broncos, he goes to one of my favorite coaches, Sean Payton, and says, stay humble as at the handshake at the end as he beat uh, as the Jets beat the Denver Broncos back a couple weeks back. Has he been humbled? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you lose five in a row and you can't score touchdowns, I think it's humbling for anyone as as for the regard, the comparison to him as a defensive coordinator, I, I, I think, I mean, that's just a different job. When you're the defensive coordinator, you're only in charge of one side of the ball, and I think he became known as a coach uh, and a very exuberant guy who would yeah. high-five and chest bump his guys. But even his first I mean, couple you don't of years. Expect your, as, uh, uh, yeah, first I, couple, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I just want to – I know there's a different job. I just want to say I'm talking about – as a coordinator in his first couple of years on the Jets. That's what I should say. I should have prefaced that by. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him do stuff on the sideline occasionally, running down the field, you know, on big plays. And, and yeah, I would agree that there's probably uh, less exuberance. But, I mean, what's he had to be exuberant about, you know? I mean, <laughs> Good point. Not, there's nothing more demoralizing in, in sports, in any sport, when your team just can't score. I mm. mean, it's. It's just—it's like in baseball. If you have an offense that you can't produce runs, it just looks dreadful. It's boring. The crowd boos. It's just—I mean, if you're losing games 35, 31, you know, at least you're, there's something for the crowd to cheer about. But when you're losing games 17 to seven, uh, you can't get across midfield. I mean, there's nothing that just drains the energy out of a team, out of a fan base, out of a stadium when you have an offense like that. And the Jets' offense. They've gone, what is it, like 10, 10 straight games with outscoring more than a touchdown? I mean, that's, that's unfathomable for the NFL. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough situation for both New York football teams in terms of scoring. But uh, thank you for that. Um, thanks for the insight. Uh, that, uh, thank you for that, Rich. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing from you next week. I'll talk to you from Miami next week, guys. Take care. Oh, I'm so jealous from Miami. Anyway, uh, that's the Rich Samini Report brought to you by the engagement experts at London's Jewelers. Now visit any of their seven locations, including Short Hills, or shop online at LondonJewelers.com. And right now we're going to throw it over to Anita, who spoke with the Texans reporter, Eric Bien-Ami. Not Bien-Ami, Bien-Ami. Talk about... C.J. Stroud, the season he's having, and do you feel that the Texans anticipated him to be this good, DJ? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they could have anticipated him being this good. If that was the case, he wouldn't have been named a starter after the third preseason game. Uh, but in all honesty, I think they knew that they had something special. When I was just talking to people in the building uh, throughout the training camp process. Um, people, people were like, y'all know this guy is extremely talented. He's a ball placement specialist. And, you know, to see him perform at the level he's been performing at throughout the season, 
has been nothing short of remarkable. Again, right now he leads the league in passing yards for a rookie. I don't think a rookie's ever led the league in passing yards to end the season. Obviously, you know, we still got five weeks to go, and I think he'll probably lose that lead after this week. But um, the fact that he's even in that conversation, the fact that he's the second leader vote-getter in terms of Pro Bowls is absolutely bonkers to think that for a guy that just turned 22 years old, October 3rd, is in this realm. It, it really is. Um, and he's been so fun to watch. Um, and I love cheering for him. Obviously, he has already won the Rookie of the Year. But what's really crazy, DJ, is the MVP. He opened up the season. He was 200 to 1 to win the MVP. Now he's down to like 25 to 1. Um, could you imagine if he wins Rookie of the Year and by some grace of God, let's say the Texans win the division, maybe make a run in the postseason? How can you deny him the MVP? Right. I, yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. and, and there's Tyree kill. There's, you know, obviously Dak Prescott's getting a lot of love as of late, but still just the mere fact that his odds went from 200 to 25 to one is pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. I think it jumped after he went on the road and helped lead the Texans to a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. I remember watching that game and just thinking, wow, he's really going to do this. Like he's really about to insert himself into the MVP conversation. Like he was by far the best quarterback on the field, on the field that had Joe Burrow on the other side. He made all the game-winning plays. He turned the ball over less, um, and he drove them for the game-winning field goal to win that game on the road after the Bengals had went on a three-game winning streak where they beat the Seahawks, the Bills, and destroyed the Niners on the road. So the fact that he was able to then after, you know, at the end of that winning streak for the Bengals, walk in there and help lead his team and control that game for the majority. You know, it did come down to the end, but they were up by 10 with four minutes to go. You know, he had a he had a silly turnover, but that was the only reason why they even had a chance to come back into that game. That was going to be one of those games that they, if the Bengals won, it would have been the Texans gave it away because they had dominated that game, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that C.J. Stroud was playing at such a high level. Uh, DJ, before we let you go, uh, the Jets going back to Zach Wilson. Trevor Simeon available, but I guess, um, you know, uh, Robert Sala feels that Zach Wilson gives them their best shot. Or maybe it's just, you know, listen, the Jets have a 1% chance of making it to the postseason. You know, this is, could this be uh, Zach Wilson's farewell song? Five games remaining, his last five games in a Jets uniform. You know, uh, let's let's see how he can do. But regardless, um you know, your, your thoughts on, on them going back to Zach Wilson and, um, and and what you think that this Texans defense thinks about that? Uh, I mean, again, like they, they thought they were going to see Zach Wilson once, you know, they heard got word that Tim Boyle got benched after the game on Sunday. They When they got word, they're like, okay, we're probably going to see Tim on Zach this week. Um, I think, yeah, Zach gives them their best chance to win. I think Texans uh, – Texan players, they've been in uh, eight straight one-score games – they want to blow somebody out. So I think they're going to approach this. They're going to approach this week with the respect of Zach Wilson that's required to blow out a team. Cause you can't in the NFL, you can't take teams for granted in that regard and blow them out. They want to get a, they want to have finally a non-close game, a non-close win. And uh, I think Zach come being back inserted to the lineup, you know, apparently, you know, Saul was saying that he thinks he's going to just, Play freely. She's gonna play with the effort mentality. I will say the Texans defense on the road 
has allowed Bryce to have his best game of the year, get his first win. Des Ritter to have a career day. Um, so it's 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 a little tricky, right? This this this. I mean, and again, they let Baker at home have a really good game. So you never really know which defense you're going to get. I mean, Gardner Minshew had a pretty effective day. So again, you never know which defense you're going to get in that regard. And I could see a scenario where Zach plays really well against this Texas defense, which is why I think that they're going to approach this with the utmost respect of Zach, mainly because, again, like they've had moments where Bryce has been able to be effective against them. Desmond Ritter has been able to be effective against them. Baker Mayfield, these guys aren't viewed as, you know, top-tier quarterbacks. And, you know, they've been able to have some success. So I think that this game is a, is a really good opportunity for Zach to be able to not, not necessarily get his career back on track, but to finally put some good things on tape, uh, mainly because the Texans defense has been susceptible to allowing quarterbacks to be effective. Well, those are quarterbacks that have a rushing attack, but unfortunately, Brees Hall has disappeared this season, uh, probably because the Jets are 29th in run block rate. Uh, their mm. offensive line is is having a lot of issues. So I, I, I think the Texans are going to stack the box, put it on Zach Wilson, and see what he can do. DJ, yep. thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate your insight. Uh, and enjoy the game. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You got it. Still a lot more coming your way right here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.